we give God some praise for what he's already done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've already done in this place. You serve a great God, and he does great things. I think I brought this up Wednesday. This is a great church. How many's glad you're a part of First Church? This is a great church with great people. And we serve a great big God. And he does great things. So. Thank you, Brother Marty, for being willing to help this morning in leading. told Star, I said, I've got about two or three messages, and I've got to figure out which one to preach, because if I preach all three of them, I'm going to be in trouble. And I think the service is leading in one direction from everything from Bible class that we had all the way through today. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 73, we call this book the Psalms of David, and he wrote the vast majority of them. But Psalm 73 was written by his song leader, Asaph, but I believe that with him working with King David, I believe he probably got this psalm from... uh, from King David at some point. Psalm 73, verse number 1, says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. How many believes God's good? How many believes God's been good? Then verse 2, it almost seems like he's Pulling a 180. Because in verse 2 he writes and says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Anybody ever slipped on ice before? He's talking about God is good to Israel. And then the next verse he says, But as for me, my feet almost came out from under me. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I saw the prosperity of the wicked and it caused my feet to come out from under me. I couldn't believe it. Then we'll skip down to verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. So for the next few moments, I just want to share this thought with you this morning. So let's pray that the Lord will have his way and that he'll minister to us this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through this word. Pray, Lord, that you would minister to us in the way that only you can do. 
We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Here in the book of Psalms, I love the book of Psalms, not just because I like songs, but the book of Psalms is the most human of all the books in the Bible. We read about people in the Bible, and if you actually read the Bible and not the Bible stories, if you actually read the Bible, you might not walk away with this, but we read the Bible stories, and we read about Abraham and Noah and Moses and Joseph and Jacob and all these Bible characters, and we think there's no way we could possibly attain to them. They're, they're just so holy and so far back in time. And then you read the book of Psalms, and the book of Psalms, David was pretty human. And all of the people who wrote the Psalms, that they were, they were pretty human because you get the whole gamut of human emotion. You get from... You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You go from there to David writing and saying, you know, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. So you get the whole gamut. And here in Psalm 73, we have Asaph writing. And he starts off with praise. Surely good, truly God is good to Israel. God is good to his people. And he is good to his people. But Asaph got to looking around and he said, but something didn't add up. Something wasn't right. As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then he goes down this whole long list where there are no bands in their debt, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other people, neither are they plagued like other people. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain, and violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. And he goes down this long list, and he says, I know these people, and I know what they do. And they know that I know what they do. And they know that I know that they know that I know what they do. And they really don't care. They just do whatever they want to do and they just come out smelling like a rose. Everything they do is wrong. But it seems when they do wrong, it turns out good for them. When they turn out doing the wrong thing, they do the wrong thing, and they get blessed for it, it seems like. I mean, everything goes good for these people. And if I could paraphrase this psalm down, it's almost as if Asaph is saying, you know, everything that they do, they're, they're evil, they're bad, they, they know what they're doing is wrong, and it looks like everything they do that's wrong and it's bad, they get by with. But when I step out of line, I'm trying to do what's right, and you let me just step out of line just a little bit, it makes the headlines of the local paper. Local boy does bad. 
They do what they do. They come out smelling like rose. I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to do everything that I'm trying to do. And I make one little mistake and it's like the end of the world. That's more or less the paraphrase of what Asaph is writing. He's writing in a very human condition. Anybody ever been there before? You ever been in school? And you know they're cheating. And the teacher knows they're cheating. And of course they got an A. You weren't cheating. And the teacher comes to you and says, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give you a B just because I know you're the only one that wasn't cheating. You failed the class, but I'm going to go ahead and pass you just because everybody else cheated their way through it. Or, you knew you were speeding. And you knew the other person, they were going a lot faster than you because you were standing still compared to them. But you got to see the red and blue lights and you're losing your confidence. Anybody ever been there before? And Asaph thinks about this. He starts to thinking on this. He starts dwelling on this and he said, my feet came out from under me. I slipped up when I beheld this. I I was thinking about it and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I was ready to throw in the towel when I saw this because it wasn't right. Like I said, they know that they're doing wrong and they don't care if Or the person that you know how they live. And everybody sings their praises. And you know how they live. And it seems like they're getting by with it. This is kind of where we live. That is as... Metal to the pedal, as much rubber meeting the road of a human experience as that can get. Because I will be honest with you, life is not fair. If I busted anybody's bubble, I'm sorry. Life is not fair. There are those who will do wrong That will get blessed because Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. It's not raining on them as a blessing. It's just raining on them because God's like, they've got to eat too. But they're going to think it's because of my goodness that it happened. Life just doesn't seem to be fair. And if we're not careful, we will let the unfairness of life dig at us. And we can dwell on the fact that life is not fair. We'll dwell on that fact that, oh, well, I see these people over here and I see what they're doing. They're doing all kinds of, they're doing good. And then I'm over here and I'm trying to do the best I can. And it seems like everything's just falling apart around me. They're doing wrong and they get a brand new Mercedes. 
I'm trying to live for God, and I scrimped and saved, and I got a no clunker, and it didn't start this morning. That's sometimes how it can go. And Asaph found himself in this spot where he said, this is exactly where I was at. I saw what was going on, and I couldn't believe it. It almost messed me up. And then he proceeds to verse after verse talk about all the things that, you know, that they, they, they're not like other men. They, they don't get weak. They seem to be strong. And, you know, their pride just circles. They, they cover themselves with violence like a garment. And everybody's like, ooh, I wish I was like them. And, you know, the, the, the verse that gets me is their eyes stick out with fatness. I mean, how blessed do you have to be that your eyes stick out of your head because of how fat you are? He says they got all of these blessings, it seems like. Everything's going their way, and I don't understand why. But Asaph did a wise thing. He said, I went into the sanctuary of God. I got in the presence of God. Anybody ever complained to God before? You get honest, you've ever complained and said, God, I don't understand, this ain't fair. I don't get this. He went into the presence of God and he said, then I understood the end game. Then I understood how this is all going to play out. When I got into the presence of God, I realized what was really happening. And I understood maybe in the flesh, everybody was kind of fooled or deceived or whatever. But he said, I understood God wasn't deceived by it. I understood he knew what was going on. He got it. And I understood their end. And I can glean from this psalm that Asaph probably took the attitude of, I decided I was going to keep doing what I was doing from there on. Because I knew how the end was going to be. You see, life isn't fair, but if we dwell on the unfairness of life, if we dwell on the way the world views things, our feet can come out from under us and perhaps we can maybe entertain the thought of quitting. Perhaps we can entertain the thought of, well, if that's how it's going to be, I don't see what good this is doing me. And decide to just join in the rest of them because they're having a good time over there. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to a church and he says, don't get tired of doing the right thing. For in due season we shall reap if we don't quit. 
don't get tired. The King James says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Even though it seems the deck is stacked against us, even though perhaps we know how things really are, the Bible tells us don't get tired, don't give up doing what we know we're supposed to do because at the end of it, we know how he keeps the score. And he doesn't keep the score the way the world keeps the score. He has something in mind that the world can't even begin to imagine. As I mentioned, there are people in the Bible that we read about how they were, and we think there's no way that we could possibly be like them. But if we really read, we realize there's some people in the Bible that some pretty bad things happened to. We read about a young man who had 11 brothers. He had 10 older brothers. His name was Joseph. And from what we can read, Joseph tried to do what was right. He was the one in the family that was trying to do everything that he could. I mean, we read about his older brothers, and I mean, it, it's like dysfunctional family time. And Joseph tries to do what is right. And for trying to do what is right, his brothers got mad at him and sold him into slavery. That's what Joe got for doing the right thing. And then when he ended up in slavery, it looked like, oh, things are looking up for him. I guess as good as things can look up for you when you're a slave. And you're owned by somebody else, but things are starting to look up. And then he decides he's going to do the right thing again. And he goes from slavery to dungeon. Because he's doing the right thing. It looks like that's the end of it. Poor Joseph, he's trying to do the right thing. And not once, but twice, it looks like bad things happen. But Joseph just kept being faithful in the prison. And it's not, but just a few pages later, we turn the book of Genesis and we realize God put him in the prison for a reason because he was going to meet somebody who knew the king of Egypt. And even though, you know, the butler forgot about him for about three years, I mean, if, if, God, if some dude interpreted my dream, I don't know how I could forget him for three years, but Dude forgets Joseph for three years, but he gets a connection where Joseph ends up standing before the Pharaoh of all of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world, and gives him a message from God. And before that day was over, Joseph went from a slave in a dungeon to being the prime minister of all of Egypt. Second only to Pharaoh himself. And this man Joseph goes from his brothers selling him as a slave and giving money or getting money for him to being on their face, on the ground at his feet, trying to buy food from him. He went from prison to palace in a day. But it took years of what seemed to be bad breaks at best. 
that to happen. Or we read about another young man who tried to do the right thing named David, who through no fault of his own was not, you know, at least Joseph was his father's favorite. At least he was the favorite kid. David wasn't even the favorite of the family. I mean, the first time you're introduced to David, he's keeping the sheep out in the back 40. You know, they think so highly of him. You know, we've got this special guest. The prophet Samuel's coming for dinner. Boys, now make sure you dress nice. Make sure you wash up, clean behind your ears. What about David? Oh, he can keep the sheep while Samuel's here. He's so well thought of in his family, they don't even count him. Until Samuel has to say, now Jesse, are these all your boys? Because something ain't adding up here. Oh, I got another one, but he's keeping the sheep. He goes from that to being anointed the king of Israel. And through that anointing, he's able to enter into the palace of the king. He's able to, he's the only one in the kingdom who can play his harp and calm the king when the king is troubled. For that, he gets javelins thrown at his head. With the king trying to kill him, he ends up on the run with the army of Israel instead of the army of Israel fighting against the enemies on the borders of Israel. He spends years with the army of Israel chasing him and trying to kill him. He doesn't even want the throne right now. God's anointed is sitting on the throne. He tells Saul all the time, you're the anointed. It's your throne right now. You can have it right now. And he has the king of Israel chasing after him like he's public enemy number one. Running him off in the desert. He ends up going to the Philistines of all people to get protection. Things aren't looking good for David. And eventually God raises him up to be the king of Israel. The similarity between those two men is the fact that neither of them gave up on God in the midst of the hell they found themselves in. You see, the devil can't do much to God. I mean, let's get real. You have God and you have the devil. What's he going to do? God made him. He exists inside of God. What's he possibly going to do to the creator and the ruler of the universe? The only thing he can do is to get at his kids. That's the only thing he can do is just try to get his children to question and try to get them to just give up. And turn back. That's the only thing the devil can do to God. And he does it so well. Because that's what he tries to play. I've already said, life isn't fair. Unfortunately, I can't stand here and say that when you repent, you're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. From then on, life's perfect. It's not. In fact, if I was really honest... This, this is not good marketing. Really, if I was really honest, I'd say when you follow the plan of salvation, you're a child of God. The devil just kind of tacks this big target on your back. 
and says, Sicko. Have I ever felt that way before? Am I, am I being too transparent, too honest? But the Bible tells us, yeah, that's going to happen. But in due season, at the right time. You know what? We sung a song this morning about going to heaven. And it's going to be awesome when we get to heaven. And if nothing else, when we get to heaven, God's going to settle the score. But I believe he doesn't just wait until the other side. I believe he does some of that over here as well. Because when we are faithful to God in the midst of whatever's happening, when we follow the words of Asaph, and we say, well, I went into the sanctuary. I went into his presence, and I understood the end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casted them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. And he spends the rest of the chapter talking about how he understood what was going to happen. Then he says, I really, really wish I'd have known this earlier. I really, truly wish I would have realized this sooner. Because it grieved me that I had wasted so much of my time worried about them and not him. I was spending so much of my time worried about what they were getting away with rather than the fact that goodness and mercy were following me all the days of my life. He said, I was like a beast before God. And at the very end, in verse 28, he concludes this psalm by saying, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. He says, let me sum this up. It's good for me to draw nearer to God. When I realized that the wicked are blessed in their wickedness. At that time, it's good for me to draw nearer to God. When it looks like they can't do anything that's wrong in the eyes of the world, then it's better for me to put my trust in my God. When it looks like that good things are happening to bad people, then it's best for me to just declare what God has done to everybody else. Because I will tell you this, and this goes for every age group that's in here, you've always got those people that don't do what's right, and it looks like for the moment they've gotten by. I brought up school because that's when we tend to be the most keenly aware of it, but perhaps even in your job, Perhaps you have seen the unfairness of life. Perhaps you've seen those that they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and it looks like they've gotten by. You're trying to do what's right on your job, and don't you dare step out of line. Don't, don't you step out of line because you'll get called in the office. They'll, they'll, they'll write you up pretty quick. 
Or perhaps you're the young person that uh, you know how they are. Maybe you don't get called to their parties. You don't get invited. But I will tell you this, if you will just keep doing the right thing, they know who to call when they finally run into trouble. They know who to get a hold of when the world comes crashing down around them and they find their end. They know who to get a hold of to get with them. And that's the ones who, in spite of it all, just don't give up. They just don't stop doing the right thing. So, I've come today to encourage somebody, and I'm closing. Don't give up just because it looks like someone else is getting better. Don't get your eyes distracted on the world and those in the world. And you see how perhaps it looks like they're being blessed right now because that blessing's only temporary. Eventually, it's not going to last. Eventually, they receive what they deserve and they are not going to like it. And if we just won't quit doing good, if we just won't quit doing the right thing, eventually God will do the rewarding. Joseph could have joined in with his brothers, but he had never ended up standing before Pharaoh and taking care of his family. David could have followed in suit to what Saul did to him and David could have exacted justice earlier but I don't think we would have heard the stories of David that sustains us like they did and perhaps somebody in here you've been tempted you've looked at what happens in the world You've seen others. You've seen what's happened. Thank you for that testimony that tells us God will bless you even in the midst of bad things if you just don't quit doing good. God will still bless you if you just don't quit. Does that mean you're never going to make a mistake? No. It just means when you make your mistakes, you repent. You just get back up and say, I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to be honest. In the middle of the Olympics, I've seen ice skaters in speed skating, and they're going much faster than I would dare to do on ice on a little thin blade. I mean, only time I've been ice skating. I did make it around the ring. It took me about 45 minutes, but I made it. And I've actually seen these skaters just wipe out. Sometimes they just kind of lay there and they just 
hit the barricades on the end, and they just, and they just kind of sit there, and Star was asking me, she said, are they out of the race? And I said, well, yeah, in a way, they're out of the race, because there's no way. They can't make up that time they've lost. They, they're out. They know they're, they're not going to be on the podium. But there are those that they just take and they get up. And they just finish the race. You know, they just at least get a number in there. They're not first, second, or third. But, you know, instead of finishing the race in 54 seconds, it takes them like three minutes. But they, they get back up and they do the laps. Because they just, they're going to finish no matter what. And the thing that ASAP realized is all we got to do is finish. And you don't finish if you quit. That if we just won't quit doing the right thing, if we'll get into the presence of God and let Him speak to us, deal with us, and we just keep going on, someday we're going to finish this race. There's a reward to those who finish the race. If you would stand with me. I don't know who this was for. Perhaps for all of us. Because we've all run into that position in our life where it didn't look right. We've all got our feelings hurt because it wasn't fair but if we just won't quit doing the right thing if we'll just look to him and see what he has for us we're going to be blessed he has something for us if we just won't quit and I invite everyone to come to this altar because even if you're not in that position maybe you're at the spot where you realize this we all need encouragement to say, Lord, I don't want to quit. I want to keep doing the right thing. But if there's somebody in here that perhaps you've entertained those thoughts, I encourage you to do what Asaph did. He said, I got in the presence of God. And God showed me how the end was going to be. So let's all come to the front. Let's thank God for his goodness. Let's ask him to help us not to quit doing the right thing, not to get distracted, not to get sidelined, but help us to keep doing what he's going to do. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would touch us today. Lord, there are times where this life isn't fair. Lord, there are times where it doesn't seem right. But your word has promised us that if we will do the right thing, if we won't quit, if we'll keep doing what we know we're supposed to do, then you have a blessing for us. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage somebody today to do the right thing, no matter what, to not quit, to not give up hope, but keep following you. And we know you're going to bless. You're going to reward. Help us, Lord, to keep following you.